millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecutor. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are connected today with Fuad Masri. He is the founder and the president of the Crescent Project. Uh, in fact, we were just discussing this is the 30th anniversary year for the Crescent Project. So for 30 years, they have been teaching Christians how to share their faith with Muslims and how to do it with confidence, how to do it with love, how to do it with courtesy. Uh, and we're excited, Fuad, to have you back here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Welcome. Thank you, Todd. Great to be with you. God is faithful. God is faithful. Fuad, you've just written a book called Sharing Jesus with Muslims, and I have a copy with me here. Why this new book? Uh, you, you've written other books about this. You have actually written books that are designed to be given to a Muslim to help them think about faith, think about biblical topics. What is the purpose or what is the passion that led to this new book? Yeah, in the last four years, we have grown and we have been doing things we've never done before. So we're doing church planning. We're talking to people who are direct evangelism, sharing directly with them the full gospel. And we discovered that still there's a lack of understanding among the believers on moving from fascinations to compassion. A lot of Christians, when I talk to, they're fascinated with the culture of Islam and, I don't know, the meals, the food, the dress. And we're saying, no, no, you need to move to compassion. So we wanted to uh, present that idea that God has given us a message for them. The other thing is that from fear to compassion, when when you look at the last two, uh, 15 years in the Muslim world, if you go even go as far as India, Indonesia, things have not been getting better in the Muslim world. It's getting worse. Yeah, we look at Dubai and we see the nice buildings and the markets, but that does not represent... Muslim countries, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, uh, you go even to Senegal, if you go to India, the, the conflict between the Hindus and the Muslims is increasing. So we wanted to tell people, yes, there is fear, there is terrorism. Uh, not even two weeks ago, before the earthquake in Turkey, a terrorist walked into a mosque and detonated himself and 83 dead this first day of the explosion. They, they're still finding dead people and, and injured. So we wanted people to move from this fear of Islam and Muslims and to idea, no, we have compassion, we have a message. That's on the outside. The last thing I want to share why this book is important. I took a whole section on the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where Jesus says, go and make disciples. He starts by saying, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so the reason we wanted to discuss this, uh, it is sad to say, not only in the West, but we're noticing there's biblical illiteracy. People are forgetting that the role of the church is not a bigger building or a better song. Although these are important. We're not saying that churches and Christians should not have materials and tools and structure. What we're saying is the goal is not another campaign for a building fund. The goal is impacting the nations among us 
And today, Todd, you know, and a lot of people are noticing that our neighborhoods are changing. It's no longer Ford and Chevy. I mean, they're all, you know, you got the Toyotas and you got the, the Kias. Basically, what you're seeing is the world is joining us here in the, in the U.S., but there's also coming to Canada, Mexico, Latin America, in Europe. Last summer, I was in four cities in 10 days. And it's no longer like before where everybody was Swiss or French. You'll see Moroccans and Algerians and Pakistanis and, and Indians and in uh, Senegalese. So suddenly I was in a train uh, in Paris. I'm standing all of my, I'm talking to people next to me that are from Cameroon. <laughs> I mean, I've never been to Cameroon. I'm talking to somebody from Cameroon. And the beauty of what God is saying to us, the Great Commission was given 2,000 years ago. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, we are his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, the ends of the earth are now in our Judea. The ends yep. of the earth is on our Jerusalem. So that's one of the reasons this book was uh, written this time. I was interested as I opened the book to see that it was dedicated to Nabil Qureshi. And uh, can, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with him and why, you know, it, why this dedication was made in, in his honor? Yes, thanks, Todd. Um, it's sad we miss my friend Nabil, but we know his faith is now sighted. Um, Nabil, uh, met Nabil, he was about a year in the Lord. So we've been friends for many years and we wanted to write this book together. However, he had uh, stomach cancer and was not able to write. So I felt like this could be a great way to, uh, to honor my friend and my brother in Christ to dedicate this book to him. Part of the outline was his idea, especially the issues with Islamic law. Many times Muslims say Islam is, is correct because it has a perfect Sharia, perfect Islamic law, and uh, he wanted a whole chapter on that. We did uh, use the book, and we have a couple of things that we included in the book specifically on utilizing the Sharia Islam and the concepts they bring to say, oh, it's a perfect religion, and use that to create a discussion on Jesus, on faith, on salvation, because Sharia law does not save us. Only Jesus, the Messiah, Amen. saves us. Well, I, I loved, as I opened it, I loved seeing that it was dedicated to him. One of the first topics that you tackle is fear. And even as you opened up, you, you talked about that fear that we have. And I think for a lot of Americans, we fear sharing our faith with Muslims. A lot of us fear sharing our faith with anybody, uh, let alone with Muslims. Why do you think that's such an issue for us, that, that, that we are so fearful? You know, I, I love American culture. I love even European culture. There's this concept of understanding privacy, respect. We always don't want to offend. So I wanted to talk about this section because I came as an international student. And yes, many times Americans offended me. Sometimes I offended them. You know, <laughs> sometimes I, I use a word that makes no sense or I would use a word that has that different meaning. Uh, I remember talking to a friend I used the wrong uh, preposition in this idiom. And they said, excuse me, that doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> so, so we wanted people to see like, hey, it's okay not to offend, but people understand. And our culture, the Muslim culture, even when you go to Muslims in India or Pakistan, there's this concept of hospitality. So people understand that you're not from the same culture. And if people want to make an issue that you were offended, well, it's easy to say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, but I, I, the fear is there. The other thing that's there, and we wanted to tackle this 
there is the social fear in the media. You know, the media is always showing everything that's negative. Uh, I think, though, it's a little bit more spiritual. So we tackle this fear from a spiritual point of view because the evil one does not want us to share the good news. So we have to remember this fear is also a spiritual initiation. It, it, the Bible says that when in Ephesians what it says, uh, put on the armor of God, and he says the shield of faith to defeat the darts of the evil one. Well, one of the darts is fear. So the mm -hmm. idea that somehow you will never get fearful, that's not true. I've been doing ministry for uh, more than 30 years, and it always, it doesn't matter. I'm sharing with a Muslim or non-Muslim. If I want to say I'm a believer in Jesus, you know when they use the name Jesus, some people are going to get happy, some people are going to get happy. So you answer knowing that that fear is from the evil one. He doesn't want you to proclaim the name. Fuad, if I meet a Muslim and I want to talk to them, they could be like just the same, I think, as Christians. You know, someone who says they're a Christian, they might be a Baptist, they might be a Pentecostal, they might be a Catholic, they might be a mainline Methodist. All of those people would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's somewhat true in Islam as well. They might be Sunni, they might be Shia, they might be very devout, they might be very nominal. How much do I need to know about their version of Islam before I sort of have a conversation about faith? Todd, the thing is, it's good for people to do their homework. And it's true, like the Somali Muslims are different than the Lebanese Muslims. I mean, yeah, there's some similarities. But your question is very important because of today's world with the wars, conflicts, uh, transitions, students, students coming here to school. There is an openness like never before. I'll be honest with you, we've never seen Muslims this open. Now, some are wow. becoming believers. Muslims are getting baptized. But Muslims are downloading Bibles. They come to our website. We have our digital outreach had 41,000 hours of reaching Muslims last year. 41,000 hours talking to Muslims wow. in Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. So there is an openness like never before. And many Muslims want to talk about Jesus in a respectful way. It used to be they would make fun of the Christians, where today they're respecting us because number one people helping in disaster areas like Turkey are the born-again believers. They're there mm -hmm. with, with cash, with money, with blankets, with food. So there is a respect. There is an openness. The other thing on our side as believers, we don't need to know everything about the Muslim we're talking to, especially in the beginning, just Show love, show a smile, a tangible way. Maybe invite them to your home. If they're moving to your neighborhood, just say, hey, uh, you know, can we grab pizza for you today? Something very simple. If you're overseas, it could be the refugees or students. One of the biggest needs for students today is just someone to talk to them because they're in a foreign country. When I came to America, I did not even know where to buy a toothpaste. And my classmate said to me, go to the drugstore. And I'm and I'm like, why well, do I don't want to go to a drugstore? I don't want to buy drugs. But <laughs> Americans have <laughs> slang, you know. <laughs> the drugstore is the supermarket, you know. <laughs> so basically, you're saying go to the supermarket. Many times we look at the Muslim friend, we think, oh, I need to know, are they Shia or Druze? Are they Alawites? You know, are they Ahmadiyya? It's okay. Start the conversation. And in the book, it describes the different denominations of the Islam. We have about 200 different sects, if you include Sufis and Tariqat, so not every Muslim the same. Most Muslims today are nominal, which means they know traditional information. So for example, 
they would say to you, oh, we believe in the virgin birth, and you Christians don't believe in the virgin birth. Well, that's not true. We believe in the virgin birth. But they think because we say the Son of God, this means there was a sexual act between God and Mary. So you, you have to remember, they, they don't know anything of our faith. They know traditional information. Uh, one person I'm talking to, they said, uh, well, they are Muslim because Islam worships one God, while Christians worship three. Well, you know, he's never understood our faith at all. We believe in one God from all the way to Abraham. Like they say, we they follow Abraham. We're the same way. Our faith is from, you know, Genesis, where God calls Abraham. You encourage us to pray in the book. And I remember this prayer from the, the Bridges video curriculum that you did now more than a decade ago. Lord, if you want me to share the gospel with this person, you open the door in this conversation. And I love that prayer because it kind of puts the onus on God rather than the onus on me. How have you seen God answer that prayer, even in your own conversations? When you pray that prayer and say, Lord, I'm ready, I'm ready to share the gospel, but but you have to open the door. Amen, brother. One key thing, though, in the book, it trains you how to listen. Mm -hmm. Biggest problem today for everybody, including myself, is we forget to listen. <laughs> Uh, my pastor used to say, God gave us one mouth and two ears, which means we have to listen twice. When we talk. <laughs> and so you listen and God answers. I was in a flight from Austria to France and I got the window seat. I was very tired. I really did not want to talk to anybody. In Europe, I spoke six times in six days. So, you know, you get to this place where it's like, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. And I prayed the spirit and the man person sitting next to me, I couldn't figure out, was he French, Italian? I couldn't figure out. His name was Omar. Turned out he was an engineer. And he starts the conversation and then asks me, what do I do? And I'm trying to beat around the discussion. <laughs> so I said, well, uh, I teach about religion. And he goes, what religions? I said, well, I teach about the Bible and the Quran. So he pulled his Quran in Arabic, found out he was from Tripoli, Lebanon. And for the next hour, we talked about the Lord. We talked how we know the Bible is not changed. Discovered that he has downloaded the Bible and he was listening to it in French. He's a French speaker. Wow. And I like the story because the Lord was there before me. The man is already searching. He's already downloaded the Bible. And I sit next to him and share with him how the Bible cannot be corrupted. And then the Bible, the beautiful thing about the Bible, the Bible leads us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. All other religions, their founders will tell you about the book or a rule or a, something to obey. It's like the text. While for us, the power is in the person of Christ. God become flesh. Emmanuel is here. We are not following a book. We are following God. We are not following a rules. We are following the Savior. It's a totally different. It's a very different mindset. Fuad, one of the things that you address in the book is, is the hurdles that our Muslim friends have to overcome to follow Jesus. What are some of those hurdles that, that they have to kind of get past in order to say, okay, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Uh, the first thing is we need to reach the, the mind. That's the first hurdle. So if they still believe that we are pagans, worship three gods, that we are sinners, then you have to address that. So there is a real emphasis on conversations. The conversations count because conversations explains the gospel. And many times that's how people convert. They, they listen. And the Bible says, you know, salvation by the word of God, hearing by hearing the word of God. So you have to hear. The second thing is reaching the heart. 
That's where Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Why we as a ministry are involved in what we call the great commandment. The great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. So we are involved in the great commandment structures and events because we want to have a great commission impact. So why we're helping people in the earthquake? Because we want them to see a tangible way that we love them. Now, if they become believers, great. If they don't become believers, it's okay. That's our role as believers. So there is this, this tangible hurdle that they need to see the love of Christ. It cannot be just by words. Hey, we love you. And mm-hmm. it could be inviting to your home, inviting them to go fishing. Or maybe a sister can invite another Muslim immigrant to get the kids and they go in the park. It doesn't matter if the Muslim has a hijab on, doesn't have a hijab on. Just become a friend. A friend is a way to do this. So that's the other hurdle. The last hurdle is this. And there's more I, I talk in the book, but I want to highlight this. We have to wait on their decision. One of the biggest problems today is we as believers want to kind of create this fame when somebody becomes a believer from Muslim background. Oh, you know, we, no, 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 relax. It's okay. Salvation is a miracle of God. It doesn't matter if your background is a Muslim, Hindu, you know, evangelical. It doesn't matter. We all need salvation. and It's a miracle. So we need to wait. Uh, some of the hurdles could be they could lose their life. Some of the hurdles could be that uh, they will lose their family. One, one friend of mine, he's an imam, but his wife left. And uh, first the kids were young enough. And so the struggle was he's lost his family. You know, he didn't lose his life, but that's a lot. So you need to wait on their timing. There are these hurdles, not only uh, the mind and the heart, but also the society around them. It also, depending on their position, if they are in the political eye or the public eye, many times they cannot come and say they are believers. So I like the concept, you know, there are secret believers. That's true. Now, we know Jesus says you cannot stay secret for life. At some point, the light will shine. Absolutely. But the timetable is not on me or not on us as believers. The timetable is won by God's hand and on them, whether it's a man, woman, teenager. So uh, we we just connected with a, with a Saudi who became a believer in college. Well, we cannot tell people about his name. It's not right. I mean, he's in a country that executes people for changing the religion. So it's, a, it's important to be very careful and uh, steward that information, you know, in, in a way that um, protects the brother and let him tell his family, let him decide when to be baptized. Amen. How real, and you talked about this a little bit there, how real is persecution for Muslim background believers in the West? If if my coworker at my American job leaves Islam to become a follower of Christ, what kind of pressure and what kind of persecution is he or she likely to face? Yeah, thank you, Todd. And I love Voice of the Martyrs because you guys are everywhere. You're monitoring these things, and God bless you. And we need to highlight because we are losing brothers and sisters even today as we speak. Church planters in countries like India, Pakistan, or Indonesia, Saudi Arabia. And so you're right. There is a pressure in the West that tends to be a little bit um, hidden. It could be political pressure on them, financial pressure. Sometimes if it's a student, they pull the money and they end up having to kind of fend for themselves. We have seen some people lose life in the West. And if they're women, usually they uh, marry them to someone, a cousin overseas. The thing that 
Muslims who are fanatic have a problem with is they think that persecution will lessen the commitment of the believers. <laughs> it doesn't work that way usually. I was listening to a pastor just said that he was doing a study in 300 years from Acts 1-8 when the disciples left and persecution was at its height. Every decade, the church, every decade, the church multiplied by 50%. Wow. That in 300 years, the coin, the Roman coin from changed from having the face of Caesar to having the cross of Jesus in 300 years. What's happening today among Muslims, yes, there is persecution. Yes, there is loss of life. But the, the results of the persecution is adding to the kingdom. The family of Jesus is growing. Now, it's true we haven't reached critical mass. Yes, it's true. We have numbers that are more than 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We haven't reached critical mass. So countries like India or, or uh, Iran or Turkey, we're seeing faith grow. We're seeing people become believers, but still we haven't reached critical mass where we can impact the whole culture. So we need to pray. We need to share the gospel, whether I'm on a plane or in a home or a campus or a neighborhood. We need to share the good news of Jesus. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.